Hi, my name is Wendy Weber. And my name is BJ Neal. Welcome to Nobody Chooses Homelessness. A podcast dedicated to changing the cultural narratives about homelessness and shedding light on how we can mobilize to be a part of the solution. In this podcast, we'll talk to everyday people, experts, entrepreneurs, and activists who are helping their unhoused neighbors find their way home again. We work for City Relief, a nonprofit organization dedicated to serving people facing extreme poverty and homelessness. City Relief shows up weekly as a mobile outreach offering people free meals, supplies, and connection to resources for housing, employment, and health care. More importantly, we offer people friendship, community, and belonging. We both have years of experience working systematically and on the ground to end homelessness. We believe that in order to end homelessness, it's going to take a holistic approach with people from all walks of life helping their neighbors in need. Mary Elizabeth has been a director at the Grace and Mercy Foundation since 2021, where she has been learning from her colleagues and the foundation partners ever since. She has her master's in social work and has experience working with various nonprofits and in the New York City government. Throughout her professional life, as she led teams and worked with individuals experiencing trauma, she has been impressed with human resiliency and the ability to change. Mary Elizabeth lives in Harlem with her husband, Jeff, and their son, John David. Well, and I also hear in your story that people are experiencing trauma. And I think that there is so much more trauma happening in people's lives, um, whether before they became homeless or while they're homeless. And I know that from the clinical side, there's an approach called trauma-informed care, which is a really important way to help people and as they're moving towards independence. So can you tell us more about that and how, how you worked, how that informed your work when you were at the shelter? Yeah, I think that's so right, Wendy. You cannot downplay how trauma and, and, and homelessness are leaked. I, you know, I would say that homelessness in and of itself is traumatic. Yeah. And so if, you know, I would tell the people that I worked with that if the only thing that is traumatic that has happened to this person that is walking through our doors is that they're without housing, like that's trauma. Yes. And so we, we, I think, are called to care for people and love people well. And, and part of that is the curiosity that you talked about, BJ, is, is really kind of seeking to understand and know the person in front of you and whether that they'll be in front of you for the rest of your life or for five minutes. I think um, that is, is a high calling that, that we have as human to care for each other. But when we have been impacted by trauma, that impacts us in this really deep and significant way in ways that oftentimes we don't understand and can't understand until we have the safety and space and support to to process that and and then understand what it has done to us and and have opportunity about to learn ways to handle that in a healthy way or a different way but trauma informed care it's really about seeing the person in front of you and honoring their autonomy so it's <laughs> i think anyone that's been a parent anyone that's felt smarter than someone knows that it's really easy to sit across the table from someone and be like, I know it's better for you. And so you will not have options. I'm just going to make a plan and you're going to follow it and you're going to be better off for it. And so you're you're welcome for my presence in your life. And I think in any space of um, working with people that are 
economically impoverished or without housing or suffering from mental health challenges, it's really, really easy to consider yourself an expert. But the thing about it is we're all experts in our own stories. And and so really, really acknowledging someone's autonomy and providing them choice, creating a space of safety. And so that that involves physical safety and emotional safety. Recognizing that trauma takes that away. And so doing our best to to create spaces that provide that opportunity to honor their autonomy in safe safe boundary sorts of ways. And then it's collaborative. Like we we talked about community and how homelessness takes away community. We, I believe, we're not created to be islands unto ourselves. Like we need community. And I would say we need community with with each other, with other people, and we need community or a relationship with God. And so being able to build that out in healthy, appropriate ways is is being trauma-informed, is providing that opportunity to collaborate. And as a professional social worker, it's like, where are you going and how can I support you as you get there? Um, as opposed to picking you up and taking you where yeah, I think you that's should That's right. Yeah, yes, yeah. exactly. And then um, it's it's really empowering work. And so part of empowerment is oftentimes can be pointing out some dissonance, like you want to do this, you know the rules are that, and you're continuing to do this. How is it helping you get there? And so not 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 having hard conversations, but doing that in a way that allows someone to own their own story and own their own journey and make their own choices. And that can be really, really hard because that also provides space for people to make choices that you might not agree with or you might not think are best for them. But we're all on a journey. And I think that is is probably what I loved most about the idea of trauma-informed is like, because you get it, you have autonomy, so do I. And, and because you, you need support, but also I do too. And obviously there are appropriate and inappropriate ways for that to happen in a professional setting. And the support that you need is going to look different than the support I need. Um, But I just think that it is honoring of, of human of, of human beings and that is is just can be really really powerful for someone to realize that they are capable and in the same way that if the only trauma they experienced is not having a house tonight and walking in through these doors like if the only good decision they've ever made it's it's also walking through these front doors and so being able to honor and acknowledge the the good and right and whole choices that people are making in space of real challenge. This holiday season, we've set a tremendous goal of reaching 15,000 people in the New York and New Jersey area who are experiencing homelessness and extreme poverty. For $20, you can sponsor one person and give them access to a hot meal, supplies, and time with our life care counselors. To give now, click the link in the description of this podcast. And all of that is part of treating people with dignity and respect, which is something that City Relief really leans into. And Yeah. If I can even, there, I would just, just painting, just taking what you said, and le- let's just frame it for people real quick, to just make sure that 
everybody's really understanding because you just gave us so much. So a trauma-informed care without being able to articulate it as well as you did is about providing a safe environment, right? So that someone comes out of their maybe triggered state, right? That they're already in. It's about providing support for that person while they're in that safe environment, right? Supporting them as they make the proper steps, helping them to make the proper steps while always ensuring that they're the one taking the steps. And then on top of that, there's community, right? You need to like actually not just take them out of an environment from where they were once struggling with homelessness and just simply shove them into an apartment, but like on our journey to bringing them into like being functioning and and not living their life today on the basis of the trauma of yesterday. We have to help them and slowly even help them to get back into community as well and get back to normal relationships with people and maybe reunite with some family and build relationships with even the people that are helping them. And I really love this because um, I think we don't talk enough, even like the prison system as, as a perfect example, right? Like, I don't think we talk enough about trauma, like not enough real conversations about it. We'll talk about it, right? But we don't have a lot of real conversations about trauma and the long-term effects of that on the human psyche. And so when we're talking about this right now, it, it, it reminds me of the prison system and how a lot of times they just let somebody out who's been serving 10 years, 20 years without ever making a, an effort at holistic trauma-informed care of this person so that they're not coming out with all of the trauma from before and from during that time, right? Because they're like, there's the trauma that led the person to becoming or ending up struggling with homelessness. And then there's the trauma of being in that situation itself, right? And if we just try to simply take people without a trauma-informed approach and try to take them and just put them into a new situation without having tried to approach the trauma first, most likely we're really not setting them up for success. And this is one of the reasons why even with the prison system, it's such a revolving door, right? Because there isn't a trauma-informed approach to the way that people deal with those issues. So it, I'm just making sure, I, all I'm doing is translating to make sure that the, what you just said is so powerful. And I really hope that our listeners, that they're catching what you're saying and that they're understanding. I actually learned the term trauma-informed from Mary Elizabeth. I didn't know a thing. Everyone did. Yeah, everyone, everyone. did. Mm -hmm. Who didn't? Who didn't? Now you all did. <laughs> um, you know, so I'm, I'm very enthused to make sure that we're all coming away with these nuggets that you're throwing out right now. With that said, I want to ask you that it is probably impossible that the great Mary Elizabeth is ever surprised anymore by anything, but I'm wondering what were some scenarios that you went through or that you experienced, that you led through, however it is, that were surprising to you about homelessness and something you didn't expect, like moments that were pivotal in, in your shift towards where you are today on the subject. 
This podcast is sponsored by City Relief. We are a nonprofit dedicated to connecting people who are experiencing homelessness and poverty to food, clothing, and vital resources they need to survive. We show up week after week on New York City and New Jersey streets, regardless of the weather, providing meals and community to those who feel forgotten. We can only do this because of the generosity of everyday people like you who want to see a world where our homeless neighbors are cared for. To find out how you can give and make a real impact on homelessness, click the link in the description of this episode. Yeah. Well, the first that comes to mind was probably the most challenging situation that I experienced as a leader in this organization. And it had to do with it. It had a significant impact not only on me, but the organization as a whole. Like we changed safety protocols because of the individual. And he was a man that wasn't housed and was really, really aggressive. Like he was aggressive towards our shelter. He ended up having to be removed. He was aggressive to other businesses in the area. And the police were called really frequently and they would take him to a hospital in the area and they would hold him for 24 hours and would say he's not a danger to himself or others and then release him and the whole cycle would start over again. And and to me, it just demonstrated a gap in services. And you would talk to different people and they would have really different perspectives on how to address this challenge. And one of the conversations that I find funny was I was talking to a police officer about this. You guys took away our right to arrest him, like to call your city council member and and give us that back. And I was like, well, he doesn't need jail. He needs like something like there's just a gap in services. And 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 to your point about the prison system, oftentimes it's filled with people that have not only experienced trauma, but are experiencing real challenges. Yeah. And whether that's physical or or mental health challenges, that that system was not designed to address. And so, you know, I tell people that a label that we give people is homeless. And I sure I've used it in this conversation, but really try to to fight against that because, you know, I don't call my friends that are housed my housed friend. Sure. And and so so I think that you treat people like you treat people. So if I had a friend that was being violent and I knew that they were, they had a home, like I probably wouldn't go up to them because that's unsafe. Like I don't run towards violence. Just don't do it. And so if there's a person on the street that look like they might not be housed and they're being violent, also not the person I'm going to run up to. Yeah. So there's like, yeah. there's some um, just common sense mm. of like, we can be kind to people that are living on the street and we can be kind to people that are not living on the street and we can avoid people that are living on the street and we can avoid people that are living in apartments. Like we also have a responsibility to keep ourselves safe. And so so I think that remembering that people are people and yes. so we, we can treat people like yes. people. Yeah. And even just uh, all I'm doing is is making sure I'm understanding what you're saying, because this is really good. I think it's so important that while we're doing this work, that we're setting boundaries and that we're not letting our boundaries just disappear while we're making an effort to serve people that may not have the same opportunities that we have. Yes. And sometimes a part of that is that we put ourselves in situations that are 
dangerous or maybe that really we just shouldn't, right? And I think that we don't, in those moments in our effort to show compassion, we suspend some of our maybe common logic on the subject. This is actually like really good, really good insider. Like if, if you're listening to this or watching and you end up getting this moment and you are actually out here doing the work, this is such an important thing that you're saying right now, because part of the burnout in human services environments is directly associated with these lack of boundaries. Like is with people not knowing when to, when or where to draw the line. And so they overextend and, and end up burnt out. Yeah. So I would love to hear kind of the flip side of the hard stories. I would imagine that you have some really inspiring stories that, that really fulfilled you, that you got to be a part of or to witness. For sure. I think every day, people, every day of my work, when I was working in homeless services, I was inspired. And I, I mean, that is what kept me going. I mean, my first thought is the staff, like we were joking about how we all used to work together. And I mean, I believe that the work that you, you did, BJ, and you did, Wendy, was inspiring. And it inspired me and I was changed by it and I'm grateful for it. And I think that is the magic. People that want to love each other well and want to love Everyone that walks through a, a space on their journey to whatever wholeness looks like for them, yeah. it's truly, truly magic or supernatural, you know. And I think about a brother and a sister that were asylum seeking from Eritrea and a country in Africa. And they had landed in D.C. And like many people that immigrate to the United States, they were really hopeful, really excited. That's the region of the world that's known for their coffee. And so they were going to start a coffee business. And so they did. And um, they were entrepreneurial and excited about like the opportunity that they had to, to do good work, make some money, and bring over the rest of their family. Well, one thing after another thing, and if you've ever owned a small business, which I haven't, because I'm not brave enough, like it just it didn't go the way they expected it to go. And and someone said like, "Hey, your business is not in a great place. Go to New York. That will there will be a lot of opportunity for you there. You'll be able to get into coffee shops. People will really love it. Go there." And so they did. They got on a bus, they came to New York, and they lived in an Airbnb for a month and ran out of money. And, and so their business didn't pick up like they were told it might. And um, they ended up in the street. And so they, they were sleeping in park, really, really scared, not what they expected at all, yeah. And ended up at the shelter where I was working at. And we were able to figure out a plan for them to where they could both be in the long-term program. And because the shelter didn't have a family yeah. or, or mixed gender long-term or actually any, any housing. And so we were able to create an individualized plan for them where they were able to connect in person on a regular basis in a way that made sense for them. And so they were able to stay in, not just in the shelter, which is in the emergency shelter, which is where I worked, but go into um, a more long-term placement and just 
breathe. You know, like they had been working so hard for so long and they were able to take a breath and figure out what their plan was and get jobs and move into their own housing. And so it, it's stories like that, that it's just like people just need a break and um, they just need a soft place to land, to take a breath, to deal with the stuff that's going on so that they can move forward and be successful. And so, yeah, I saw that every day. And it might have been just say people needed a week or they need six months and they needed a year. But I, I got to see human perseverance and resiliency in the face of significant challenge all the time. If you live in New York or New Jersey or technically anywhere and you'd like to volunteer with us, click on the link in the description of this episode. And, and right up against the stereotypes that people who are homeless are lazy. Right. That's why they're homeless. Yeah as opposed to the hard work it takes to survive right. as someone experiencing all this. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's good perspective. And I love the individualized, like I love that. And, and that type of approach, uh, we were talking to a school teacher that came out on outreach, she volunteered, came out on outreach with us recently. And she was talking about some of the she teaches like, I think it was like fourth grade. It was something, they were, they're, her kids are young that she teaches. And she was talking about how for her, she can very clearly see where the school system needs work and things that need to be changed because she's re- she realizes now as a school teacher for some years that learning is really something that needs to be individualized. But that takes so much more work. It takes so much more work to individualize it than it does to generalize it. And so just like even the fact that that was done, that the work that it took to create an individualized approach for those two, I pray that it inspires other people that are doing this work or people even in their own lives to intentionally not try to generalize the people that are in their lives, right? Not try to cheat that person the same way you treated every other person and, and think that they need the same things that other people need, but to give them each person an individualized form of care. So with all this being said, I, be- I believe it's time to ask our- Jay, it's time. It's time. It's time. Makes me nervous. The big question. So, Mary Elizabeth, if you could think of one thing, maybe it's more than one thing, if you could leave us and our listeners with one thing about the problem with homelessness, maybe it has something to do with individualized and trauma-informed care, because you've been talking about that. I'm not sure what it is, but if there was one thing one kind of challenge or charge you could leave us with, what would that be? Yeah, I think that this would be a challenge and charge for myself as well, and it, to be kind and curious. I think the world would be a better place if, if not just housed versus unhoused, kind and curious, but if we just approach p- people with openness that comes from a place of kindness and curiosity. Mm. That was great. When that becomes the name of your first book. (laughs) 
We're not really, I want to, we, we want a little piece You've of heard that. it here. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Mary Elizabeth, thank you so, so much for your, for your kindness, for your curiosity, yeah. for your expertise in your field. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for just giving us the time to talk with you and pick your brain. It was a delight. Thank you so much. Oh, man. Anytime I get to hang out with you guys, let's do it again. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Hey, you. Yes, you, listener. Have you ever been walking down the street and someone who appeared unhoused approached you and asked for money? Or do you ever walk to the train in the morning and see someone holding a sign asking for help? What do you do? Well, don't worry. We are here to help. Click the link in the description of this episode for a quick, easy-to-use guide packed with helpful tips for how to engage with your neighbors experiencing homelessness.